0: This is an RNZ podcast. This week, Judy is the ultimate star part for Renée Zellweger as Judy Garland. We all love me. The cats miss you and they also want to stay put. I'm coming back for them. You're not listening. I have someone I can rely on now. Maleficent returns. Angelina Jolie dusts off the black wings and the dodgy English accent. Philip asked me to marry him No I wasn't really asking Nor was I Love doesn't always end well, Beastie And Zombieland 2 has started adding to its dysfunctional family It felt so good to be on the move again Oh my god, I'm so sorry Hi, I'm Columbus Madison This is Tallahassee Hey, Paul Blart Is this your dad? Hello, I'm Simon Morris. Back in the 1940s, Louis B. Mayer, then probably the most powerful man in Hollywood, used to boast that his studio, MGM, had more stars than there are in heaven. Mayer was under no illusion that the business could get by without stars, even if he had a rather inflated view of his own ability to create them. The fact was the public made the stars, partly based on some intrinsic charm or uniqueness, partly on the parts they played. Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. There have always been two kinds of stars. There are the ones that audiences find easy to identify with, the boys or girls next door, people like Emma Stone and Chris Pratt, Jennifer Lawrence and Bradley Cooper. So how's your job? I just got fired, actually. Oh, really? How? By having sex with everybody in the office. Everybody? I was very depressed after Tommy died. We don't have to talk about it. Thanks. How many were there? Okay, they're better looking than us and they lead far more interesting lives, but we can imagine ourselves in them, which is why their starring careers generally last for years, unlike the other kind of star, the dazzling and exotic ones. You're Norma Desmond. Used to be in silent pictures. Used to be big. I am big. It's the pictures that got small. No-one identified themselves with Marilyn Monroe or Errol Flynn, Tom Cruise or Charlize Theron, Brad Pitt or Angelina Jolie. He just stood back and marvelled at them for a while. That's the trouble with exotic stars. Their fascination burns out quickly. Look at that! Look how she moves! That's just like jello on springs. Must have some sort of built-in motor or something. I tell you, it's a whole different sex! While the boys and girls next door can graduate to older parts, parents, villains, bosses, grandparents, no such career path is available to the merely glamorous. Nobody loves a fairy when she's 40, as the cruel music hall song put it. And that's usually true, with one or two exceptions. The story became legend. But this is no fairy tale. Of all the exotics, none's been as dazzling as Angelina Jolie, whose talent was often overshadowed by her colourful private life. But she aged up successfully in the Sleeping Beauty reboot called Maleficent, part fairy, part villain, part mum. Now, five years later, Angelina's back in the inevitable sequel. Mrs. I have a little bit of news. Don't ruin my morning. Another slightly surprising success of the past, 2009's comedy Zombie Land makes a belated return this week. Like the original Zombie Land double tap, rests on the appeal of its four mismatched leads. <laughs> What's his name? You're so tiny. No you're not. No you are. No you're not. No you are. No you're not. No you are. No you're not. Tiny, big, tiny. She is adorable. <laughs> But first, one of the biggest stars of Hollywood's golden age finally gets a biopic. The only question is, who could possibly play the inimitable Judy Garland? Can't have the world's greatest entertainer out here without a drink. Frank Sinatra's here? Frank is great, but he is no Judy Garland. I don't have a home. I can't even get a manager. The toughest thing for any actor tackling the title role of the film Judy is that everyone in it keeps saying she's quite ordinary until she starts singing. Wow, what a voice. Come on, try and live up to that build-up. But the fact is Judy Garland wasn't just a voice. She belonged in the spotlight with her unique blend of confidence and vulnerability. She was a dazzling movie talent from her teens until the trolley car stopped. The star of Judy is Renee Zellweger, who is quite extraordinary. Not only looking and sounding remarkably like Judy Garland, but capturing that unique, fragile pizzazz that nobody else has ever quite matched. I'm sorry it's so late. Miss Carl. Oh, please. I'm Judy. I'm very sorry, but your suite has been released. What do you mean, released? Where exactly has it gone? <laughs> your account was in arrears. The story of Judy, written by Tom Edge from a play by another Englishman, Peter Quilter, takes place in the late 60s, the last year of her life. She was just 47, but her film career had dried up, as had her live work at home. She lived a gypsy life with her two youngest kids, who she often took on stage with her. Mama, please don't go to sleep now. No, 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 leave the other one. The kids need a home, Judy. I know what kids need. They need their mother. And she lived on a constant diet of pills, downers to go to sleep, uppers to wake her up. She was essentially homeless and often relied on the kindness of fans. Then she was offered a lifeline, another season in London where Judy Garland had always been a huge star. London would offer you a lot of money. Talk of the town. is desperate to do a deal with you. You're saying I have to leave my children if I want to make enough money to be with my children? I would very much like to stay. Well, those are the bare bones of the story, but there's far more to Judy than the ups and downs of a neurotic, self-obsessed performer who can't accept that the party might be over. How did she get here, asks the film, and we trip back regularly to the so-called glory days when Judy was making films like The Wizard of Oz. Judy? Have you seen Judy? There's an audience out there waiting to hear you sing. My mouth... Dry I and it could fall apart. Listen to me. I can't. You You'll be fine. On you go. The life of a star, particularly child stars like Judy and her longtime pal would-be boyfriend Mickey Rooney, was notoriously brief. When you're working for a slave driver like Louis B. Mayer, you didn't stop for sleep or food. If you couldn't hack the pace, the MGM doctors had just the pills to keep you going. Everybody has their troubles. And I've had mine. I just want what everybody wants. I seem to have a harder time getting it. So who stopped Judy Garland from living the sort of normal life she kept claiming she wanted and needed? How much to blame was the monstrous Maya for her subsequent troubles, and how much was it the fault of the string of frankly useless men she hooked up with? <laughs> the kids miss you, and they also want to stay put. I'm coming back for them. You're not listening. I have someone I can rely on now. That's Rufus Sewell as her former manager and ex husband, Sid Lufts, who, to his credit, did his best for a while. But Judy was often her own worst enemy when it came to picking good looking losers like Mickey Deans, whose plans and schemes for Judy were mostly so much hot air. Yeah, when, when did you get here? Just now. Yeah? Literally. I <laughs> <laughs> just walked off the plane, just passing through. <laughs> Where are you staying? I don't know. I don't know. I, I literally just showed up. I, I haven't thought about anything. We'll stay here. Meanwhile, as Judy's life was falling apart, the London's talk-of-the-town shows had to go on. Impresario Bernard Delfont is nicely played by Michael Gambon at his shiftiest, while Delphont's Girl Friday is played by this year's actual A Star Is Born, Jessie Buckley. Are you going to be all right? What if I can't do it again? Mama, are you there? You need to take better care of yourself. You understand. Jessie makes the most of her limited screen time in a way Judy Garland herself would applaud. But the film is blessed with a wonderful and almost certainly award-winning performance by Renée Zellweger. I've never seen her better, both on stage and off, and she shows the self-centred steel under the vulnerable exterior. Do you take anything for depression? Four helpers. Didn't work. There's a this isn't a poor me victim performance that the real-life Judy Garland would occasionally play to great effect with her audiences, the famous Friends of Dorothy. It's far more thanks to a terrific, thoughtful and well-researched script and sharp direction from Rupert Gould. I don't want them on stage with me. I don't want them in this phony business and I don't want them anywhere near the bastards who run it. Why would anyone put themselves through this sort of torture, asks the film? Is stardom really worth such a price? To which Judy's answer would be simple. I don't understand the question. Of course it is. You won't forget me, will you? Promise you won't. Angelina Jolie's striking good looks have been a mixed blessing. Despite her undoubted talent, two Oscar nominations, one win for Girl Interrupted, she or her handlers prefer she play glamorous roles in films like Alexander the Great, Salt and the Lara Croft films, which first saw her try out her unreliable British accent. Well, well. I shall bestow a gift on the child. And then came Maleficent, which reimagined the evil fairy of Disney's Sleeping Beauty as some sort of feminist anti-heroine. The rebooted story made very little sense. She was apparently a good fairy at the start, despite her evil-doing name, but it was still a massive hit. And now she's back in Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. I remember this story... Of an evil witch. When I look out my window, and the princess she cursed to sleep forever. Now, don't be confused. Maleficent herself isn't evil here, despite the horns and the regular temper tantrums. No, the real evildoer only appears when Maleficent's goddaughter, Princess Aurora, decides, five years after being woken up, to marry her handsome Prince Philip. Five years ago, I thought I lost you forever. There is no curse that could ever tear me away from you. Will you marry me? Yes! Aurora invites her godmother to visit Philip's parents. There's a forgettable king, most of the male characters are strictly minor figures, and the actual mistress of evil, Queen Ingress, played with all the stops out by another Hollywood beauty, Michelle Pfeiffer. You have done an admirable job going against your own nature to raise this child. But now, she will finally get the love of a real mother. It seems to be a fight for the soul of Princess Aurora, Elle Fanning. And it goes without saying, Maleficent isn't going to quit without a fight. But there's a bit more to the story than simply squabbling in-laws. There are many who prey on the innocent. I'm sure your kind would agree. If I didn't know better, I'd say you were making a threat. Well, do you? Do I what? Know better. There are two kingdoms next to each other. The world of humans, ruled by Queen Ingrid and King What's-His-Name, and the Moor, the heavily art-directed world of fairies, ruled by Aurora and Maleficent. And the mistress of evil, Ingrith, has designs on all that magic. What do you mean, my kind? She means humans there are fairies missing from the moors what i'm missing is some wine stolen by human poachers that's the first i've heard of it someone gave the order the original Maleficent was clearly intended to be a feminist reimagining of the old-fashioned Wicked Witch fairy tale cliches. The writer was Disney stalwart Linda Wolverton, who wrote the original Lion King and Beauty and the Beast. But she also wrote the rather less coherent Johnny Depp, Alice in Wonderland. And she seems to have used that pen for this script. Tonight, I consider Aurora my own. no union there will be no wedding having set up the rivalry between maleficent and ingrith there seems nowhere to go with this story but bigger the sets get bigger the warring armies almost entirely digital number in the thousands and the body count gets far higher than you'd expect in a fairy story what have you done we go home now aurora is a threat to everyone. We'll do our best to protect... Fortunately, the casualties are nobody we know. Hardly any speaking parts were harmed in the making of Maleficent Mistress of Evil, though after a while some of us start crying out for a few more speaking parts in general. What support characters there are are limited to a wacky raven turned human, three good fairies mostly special affected out of the picture and the late arrival of Chiwetel Ejiofor with nothing much to do. There was another creature spent years caring for a human. Now it's time to care for your own. I say, some of us were complaining. The actual target audience of teenage girls seemed to have a lovely time, and judging by their conversations afterwards, they must have seen a totally different movie from my one. Well, well. One can never be too careful. My own disappointment largely stemmed from the fact that I've always rather liked Angelina Jolie, particularly in lighter material than they usually give her. Why so serious, Ange? Philip asked me to marry him. No. I wasn't really asking. Nor was I. Love doesn't always end well, Beastie. Trust me, let us prove you wrong. But glowering and suffering, often in an alleged British accent, seem to be the only scripts her managers will allow her to look at, and I suppose beggars can't be choosers. When you're typecast as a mistress of evil, you take what they give you. Godmother! This isn't you. You do not know me. Ten years ago, the battle lines were drawn between two opposing genres, vampires and zombies. While vampires had better dress sense and were scarier on a one-to-one basis, their undead rivals had numbers on their side. And over the years, films like Shaun of the Dead and 28 Days Later and shows like the Walking Dead series outlasted the opposition. One of the silliest and most enjoyable zombie outings was 2009's Zombieland, a blend of splatter and roadshow comedy with a brief added dose of Bill Murray. I'm not sure why it's taken so long for the sequel, but here it is, Zombieland Double Tap. Okay, time to nut up or shut up. That saying's very 2009. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we got this. For newcomers to the world of Zombieland, after the zombie apocalypse, life is so risky that you don't learn people's names, just where they're heading to. So, Jesse Eisenberg is Columbus, Ohio, Woody Harrelson is Tallahassee, Florida, and sisters Emma Stone and Abigail Breslin are, respectively, Wichita and Little Rock. Start talking, you first. My name's Tallahassee. Ten years on, they're still shooting zombies. These are the fast-running, 28-days-later variety rather than the slow-moving, walking dead types. And they finally make it, they think, to Journey's End. It's Washington, D.C., and the White House is theirs for the taking. Oh, God. Hey, possum, <laughs> Sorry, just you in that chair. I think I would have made a damn fine president. You would have brought a real dignity to the office. You're welcome, America. I'm never quite sure how much intentional political satire is involved in the Zombieland movies, but my guess is if it's funny, they'll allow it. Woody Harrelson has never been more Woody than he is here, a Southern Elvis fan who's discovered a hidden aptitude for killing zombies. You guys, they are much more afraid of us than we are of them. You'll be the first to die, but I like your enthusiasm. You might die. Uh, Thank you for your sacrifice. It's unlikely Jesse Eisenberg needed to audition for his role either, the neurotic motormouth obsessed with popular culture and his self-imposed rules. No wonder it drives his supposed girlfriend, Wichita, Emma Stone, crazy. Welcome to Zombieland. Life is about more than just survival. We were a family. Dysfunctional, sure, but what family isn't? Merry Christmas! What would you like, little girl? I'd really like for you to stop calling me little girl. Do you know what I would like? I don't give a shit what you. Do. The past 10 years have been kind to the cast. Three of them have been nominated for at least one Oscar in the interim, with one, Emma Stone, actually picking one up. Perhaps this is the reason that former child star, now in her 20s, Abigail Breslin decides to move on. My sister is gone. I picked up the boy. He's from Berkeley. Berkeley! You don't have weed, do you? Do I look like the type of person that would have weed? I'm sorry. Boom! Yeah? I have nothing against hippies. I just wanna beat the shit out of. Little Rock takes off in search of love, or at least someone her own age, and meets an agreeable hippie called Berkeley. Her sister, Wichita, is distraught and tries to organize a rescue operation. It felt so good to be on the move again. Ha! Oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Hi, I'm Columbus. Madison. This is Tallahassee. Hey, Paul Blart. Is this your dad? The subtitle Double Tap may have more than one meaning here. Certainly, during the film, everyone seems to meet a doppelganger, a potential soulmate, or the complete opposite. The ditzy Madison, played by the hilarious Zoe Deutsch, sets her fake fur cap at Columbus. I forgot the seatbelt rule. Oh, so she knows the rules? I told her just a few of them. 73, and are there more? You're cute. I like it. But things get decidedly odder when Columbus and Tallahassee find themselves confronted by a pair of dudes who seem strangely familiar. That's my right! Oh, my apologies, little Elvis! Is it me, or does does he kind of remind you of... I don't don't like like you. At at all. all. I think you double-parked. (laughs) One more perpendicular parks. hope we don't get a ticket what is going on here what hello everyone i'm not sure if i've made the point sufficiently strongly but like tallahassee or madison Zombieland double tap isn't exactly the sharpest tool in the cinematic kit i predict that it will win a total of zero awards or nominations from anyone else this year but i laughed pretty much throughout it hasta la vista baby terminator 2 remember Woo! ready buddy he's still cool Woo! Yeah, yeah. of... That's Anybody else find those two uniquely annoying? Uniquely? No. The handling of the word uniquely there is the reason I'm giving Emma Stone the most valuable player award here. That and in fact all her scenes with Woody Harrelson. But everyone's a winner in Zombie Land in a year where otherwise miserable is cool and bigger is so much better. Time to nut up or shut up. We need a new line. Let's kick some dicks. Just because it rhymes doesn't make it a great catchphrase. It's her problem. I don't know, I like it when it rhymes. Zombieland Double Tap is proof, once again, that audiences don't live by important movies alone and that sometimes a smart, unambitious bit of comedy may be just what the Doctor ordered, especially when it rhymes. And on that plea for diversity, it's time to go. I'm Simon Morris, and I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long.